This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. This is episode 71 of the podcast a.k.a. the pandemic episode. I do hope everyone is staying safe and staying occupied. And there's a fine line there, and you really want to be careful that you don't err on one side or the other. We all are aware of the really negative psychological and physiological effects that panic and anxiety can cause. At the same time, we're also well aware of the awful physiological and environmental, and I mean that in a community sense, effects that something like coronavirus can have. So it's really about walking that fine line. So I hope that this is 25 minutes of a bit of a reprieve for you as you're going about your business and listening to this podcast and hopefully listening to other podcasts in the fly fishing space and other uh, interests that you may have. But today I want to talk about a few things that you could be doing right now. And this isn't really specific to a global pandemic. Hopefully, in a matter of weeks and months, we'll be back to other reasons why life is kind of different, whether it be a vacation or be maternity leave or something like that, and you just have some time on your hands, some things that you could be doing. Now, the first one is getting outside. Now, getting outside is a wonderful opportunity to escape. And I mean that in the most uh, literal way possible. When you get outside, whether it be on the water or just on the mountains or even in your backyard, it is a chance to get physically some fresh air and it's an opportunity to change your environment, change your surroundings. I know for me and for my family, that is huge. And we've been getting outside a lot over these last two weeks of quarantine. And I know that's a really lowercase q quarantine when you can go to the park or we can go to the woods you can go to the abandoned high school parking lot and ride bicycles and run around and things like that but that has been very very refreshing to be able to stretch our legs and be able to see something outside of 
our four walls. And I mean, I get a chance to go to work, but so for my wife, that is very, very important. But when you're doing that, you know, redeem the time. Um, don't spend your time outside worrying. But at the same time, you know, you don't want to have this cavalier attitude that you're invincible because you're outside. I went to a park recently, and there's a really interesting little stream that flows through it, and I'm not too sure how I feel about it. It looks incredibly swampy, and this time of year in New England, the water is really high because we have a lot of melting going on, and this is kind of our mud season. This is being recorded right before the clock turns to spring. So this stream may very well have pickerel and some panfish and things like that in it. Maybe even some trout that move really far upstream. But the uh, boardwalks that kind of walk around this uh, little stream and kind of through some bogs and things like that were packed with people. So I was actually in Costco today, and I was further away from people the entire time I was in Costco today than when I was in the park yesterday. And so today, for our present circumstances, obviously there's this whole social distancing thing going on, and just being outside doesn't mean that you're going to necessarily be safe, but it also means that you need to be a little bit deliberate in where you go, and that doesn't have to just do with pandemics and other sort of crises like this, but you got to pick where you're going to go. If you're going to be either exposed to an illness or just frustrated because you're around other people, make sure you go into the right place. And so I know folks that really, really effort to get out and go fly fishing. And so they've made their plan. They're going to go to this parking lot and they're going to fish this run and they're going to have a great time and they're going to catch lots of fish and they show up and there's another car there or maybe there's another angler that's upstream already and it ruins their day. And I know people like this because there's times when I'm that person where you get it in your head. You have to go here. You have to do this it has to go this certain way and when it doesn't you kind of get a little bit grumpy and I'm just as susceptible as anyone to that and so it's really about I want an experience I don't necessarily want a result I want an experience and so that might mean going to something that I consider to be less productive or less scenic but it's going to give me that isolation and that solitude and that experience that I want. And again, that's completely separate from social distancing and not catching some sort of virus. That is you getting what you want out of the time that you can afford to spend outside and really making the most of your time by not being so concerned with having it go exactly how you want it to go, but getting the most out of that experience. So. I would say kind of lower your expectations in one sense and say, hey, I'm not going to have this go uh, exactly where I want. But just get outside and enjoy that. And remember that you're not free of all dangers. I think that's the other thing. And, and I wrote about that this week um, regarding Lyme disease and regarding ticks. Like having the idea like, okay, I'm going to go outside where it's safe is foolish. This pandemic or any other situation that you might be facing, just running headlong into the woods isn't going to save you. And you've heard so many stories about people who are hiking, climbing, camping, fishing, who get hurt in the most ridiculous ways. It's not ridiculous that they're hurt, but the ways that they're getting hurt, it just boggles the mind that you could slip that way, that that thing could fall on you, that that kind of animal could bite you, that your car would you know roll off the, the side of the road in that particular place. But just running headlong into the wilderness and saying, I'm going to get away from all of this, you still need to be prepared and you still need to think about taking the right precautions, the right steps. And so for anglers, we have to remember this is early season. This is, again, being recorded on the, the night when it becomes springtime. 
and the water is still very, very cold. And there's probably still some ice in certain places. And so it's not like there's no danger as soon as you get outside. Again, the ticks are out. In short order, you're going to be fishing during spring gobbler season, so make sure you're wearing your orange. I guess all of this to say is two things for getting outside. One, make sure that your expectation is for an experience and not for some sort of outcome. And secondly, remember that getting outside is the same kind of getting outside it is throughout the rest of the year. That when you're escaping quarantine, whether it be a government-recommended quarantine because of some sort of big situation going on in the world, or that quarantine of 9 to 5 in the cubicle, that when you run outside, all of those necessary and important and basic safety procedures and precautions that you're well aware of are things that you need to remember. Uh, I imagine that in this situation we're going to have an uptick in people getting stuck in the backcountry because they have a false sense of security about what they can do outside. It's wonderful that more people are getting outside but at the same time, we do have to be smart. That's the first thing, kind of my first thought about situations like this that we're in, where when you run outside, have the right mindset and have the right safety precautions that you're taking. The second thing, and what I would say is a wonderful thing to do if you're even more stuck inside, is to clean your stuff, all right? This is something that you're almost a little late in the season in the fact that you're probably using your gear already, but if you haven't taken time to clean your rods, clean your reels, and clean your line, just bare minimum, those three things, it is an easy thing to do and you will enjoy, hopefully, about six to seven more months of clean gear. So how do you clean your rods? This might sound simple, but at the same time, we have new people that listen to the podcast, and then we have people that have been fishing for 10, 15, 20, 25 years who might not be doing it right. Just a wet cloth and maybe a little bit of Dawn soap. And, you know, you want to rub your cork, but not so much that you start pulling chunks out of it. You want to be very careful around your guides. I would also say that this is a good time to inspect your guides to see if there's anything that's coming loose. A lot of times you can have a broken guide, and especially if it is between the foot of that guide, the part of the guide that gets wrapped over with thread wraps and then epoxied, if it's right there, you might not notice it. And that's the kind of thing that can really mess up casting, could tear up your fly line, and really just ruin your day if you discover it when you're on a two or three day trip and that's one of the rods that you really wanted to fish. So I would inspect those guides, especially where they connect to the foot, where they are wrapped onto the rod. But with a moist, not super wet, not sudsy rag with a little bit of Dawn soap, just go over the whole rod and look for places where there's an accumulation of filth. That stripping guide, that very first guide that comes off of the, uh, the from the bottom up, there you'll find a lot of crud that gets from your fly line onto that guide, and you'll also find a whole lot, especially in that tip top, the very last guide on your rod. And just give those a little bit of attention. Don't scrub anything too hard. I would move the uh, reel seat around, depending on if you have a, just a sliding ring, or if you have a up-locking, down-locking reel seat. Move that to one of its extremes, clean it, move it to the other extreme, clean it around also. That's another place where you can get in trouble. You get gunk in there and you turn it and it might even pop off the threads. I've had that happen before. So keeping it clean is just going to give you a much better performing tool. Reels, cleaning reels, it really depends on the kind of reel you have. Some reels are very easy to clean. Some are a lot more complex and it's almost like you're dealing with a watch. There's so many little components. But by and large, a 
warm, moist rag with a little bit of Dawn soap. Uh, go over all of the real components. If you have to use some sort of small brush, an old toothbrush works really well. You don't want to scrub any internal components too terribly hard. But just to give it to enough to, to move some of that grime off of it. The, I would say the other thing, if you do scrub, you might have to re-oil and re-lubricate. And every reel is different, so you're going to have to look at the manufacturer's specs for lubricating a reel. Even Click Paul reels take lubrication and will improve the longevity and the performance of the reel. So that's something to look into. But then after you clean a reel, especially if there is any sort of cleaning agent on it, even something as gentle as Dawn, going over again with a wet rag and getting any of that residue off will be good. It'll keep your reels looking super shiny and it'll also help aid in performance and the longevity of the reel. And then make sure that thing dries. I would dry it with another cloth, a completely different cloth than you used to clean it with, dry it with another cloth and then let it sit open, the spool and the reel separated from each other and uh, let it let it air dry. And then thirdly, line. And my goodness, you know, I, I am one of the biggest proponents out there of buying quality line. I've been fishing with a, um, a newer line that's I think $95 and it's worth every penny. You say $95 for a line? Well, a normal line off the shelf is what, $70? So only talking $25 more and this thing makes the rod do amazing things. It is absolutely worth it. But that's only going to last you maybe a season, a season and a half if you don't clean it. So strip all that line into your sink or into a bucket, again, with a warm water with a little bit of, again, something like Dawn, a dish soap that, to be honest with you, I don't know what's special about Dawn. I know they use it to clean, you know, birds' eyes when they get stuck in an oil spill, so it's non-residue, non-eye irritating, so it's not bad for fly line. So that would be my first pass, is to clean it with that stuff and really get the big chunks off of it. And then use a fly line cleaner that really every fly line company is going to sell that stuff to you. I know that Loon Outdoors makes a good one. That's actually currently the one I'm using. They even have the fancy little pad that you run your line through. And you do that to your line. This is also a good time to look at your backing. You know, backing is one of those things that is not talked about a whole lot and not really given a lot of consideration, but it is a weak link, especially if the knot connecting your backing to your fly line is causing that fly line in its coating to be stripped off that core of that line. What that'll do then is when you apply a lot of pressure, probably, hopefully, because you have a fish on, then not hopefully it's going to cause that not to fail and actually pull right off the end of your fly line. So just give that a check. And if that backing is old, if you've maybe done two, three, four line replacements, if this is a reel that's, you know, 10 years old and you've replaced the line a few times and the backing, just give it a, a tug, give it a feel, just make sure it's clean and uh, pull some of it off, look at what's down deep, make sure there's no junk in there. I know that I have one reel in particular that I can picture right now that I think I was carp fishing or bass fishing and I dropped it in the mud. And any time that I get a little bit into the backing, a little bit of dirt or stick or debris kind of like pops out of the, the backing that's just embedded down in there because I was in some real silty stuff. And I really need to strip all that backing off and probably even rinse the backing or you know, what would be easier is just to get rid of it. Backing is not expensive. I bought 250 yards uh, to do a couple of small trout reels and it maybe cost me $8 the other day. What I will say is if you are fishing saltwater reels, then in using gel spun backing, do that at a fly shop. Um, getting that stuff to lay on 
straight and smooth. It matters both because it can be abrasive to itself, uh, and it can absolutely be abrasive to the fly line, and it can, is so narrow in diameter, I've actually seen it kind of collapse and create tangles. And the last thing you want when you have a big fish running is to have a tangle in your backing. You're going to lose your fish, you're going to lose your fly line, and you're going to lose your temper, I guarantee it. So if you have a big saltwater reel or a big game reel and you have gel spun backing on there if you want to do this little exercise of cleaning and re-spooling or kind of checking it back 50 75 yards then have that re-spooled at a fly shop where they have a machine that can have that backing get put on in a very consistent way with the right tension um that's a, a an underappreciated thing for reels where you are going to be in your backing if you've spooled a reel yourself, you know it takes a little bit of effort and you have to fuss with it, but having that done at a fly shop, a lot of them will do it for free. And even if you didn't buy the line or the backing or the reel there, you know you go in and you patronize them and you buy some flies or you buy some leaders or you maybe you do say, hey, I just want to replace the backing. Can I put my old line back on? They should be more than happy to do that for you. Um, so definitely think about those those things. Last thing I'll mention on that is um, if you have fly line that you are getting rid of, then there's a really cool thing you can do with it instead of just pitching it and adding more to the landfills. And that is to send it to Risen Fly Fishing. So that's risenfly.com. There's a program that the owner runs with one of his kids, and it's called Lilia's Lines of Love. And she takes those old fly lines, they cut off the spent parts that are all chunked up and maybe kinked and discolored, and they use the good pieces to make all sorts of little jewelry, uh, necklaces, bracelets, things like that. And then the proceeds from those pieces on Risen Fly's website go towards buying books for the Children's Hospital in Pittsburgh. So you, and, I, and I'm pretty sure I don't have it right in front of me, but that you get a coupon for uh, Risen Fly Fishing so you can get yourself some flies, get yourself some fly tying gear. Um, so send your spent fly line to Lilia's Lines of Love. It is absolutely 110% better than putting it in your trash can. All right, so um, first topic was talking about getting outside and just kind of setting your expectations and remembering that you're going outside. Second thing that you can do on your little coronacation is to clean your rods, reels, and line. And here's the third thing, and this is something that you can do as soon as this podcast is over. This is something you can do while you're cleaning your gear, and this is something you can do when you are outside. And that is kind of what should your mindset be? What should you be thinking about? with this whole situation. Now, you tuned in for a fly fishing podcast and hopefully the, you know, how to clean your line thing was beneficial or whatever. But hopefully you also know if you've listened to more Casting Across podcasts and you've read what I write on castingacross.com, I want to communicate information that is valuable for you as you head to the water. But I also really want to help kind of stimulate you into thinking about what you're doing. And to be completely honest with you, it's not just about what you're doing on the water. It's what you're doing in general. I know for me, fly fishing is downstream from other stuff. I derive meaning from my fly fishing from other things that I do and things I think about, not the other way around. Fly fishing is a downstream activity um, about my life, about my faith, about my family. And so that's kind of my perspective on the whole thing. What does that have to do with what I'm talking about? When you're in a difficult situation like this, where everyone's kind of in a shared difficult situation, 
Or if you're in a personally difficult situation, you've lost somebody, you've uh, gone through a move or a transition of job, you've just got a diagnosis for something, you've had some sort of financial shortfall, you can really get yourself tied up in knots by thinking about what if. What if? What if? It's that fear that leads to, to worry and that worry that leads to anxiety and it gets us all tied up and it takes away from the things that we enjoy. I've heard it countless times of people who have said something to the effect of, this situation has got it so I don't even enjoy fishing anymore. And so what do we do? We don't say, oh, no, you don't enjoy fishing. Let's fix that. Let's go fishing. You know, the, the right thing to do as a friend and as somebody with compassion is say, what is, what's going on deeper than this? And so my advice to you is don't let that question of what if take hold and take over and take control. Think bigger than that. Allow a situation like this to make you ask some of the big questions. You know, how, what am I doing? I can't control a lot about this situation. And the fact of the matter is, there's not a lot that we can control about most situations. But in this situation in particular, there's not a lot that I can control. What I can control is my outlook. What I can control is my mindset. What I can control is the way I'm treating other people. You know, this uh, situation and situations in, in the past, I can think back to um, the weeks after 9-11. I can think back to even situations that weren't as dire, but um, when that housing bubble burst um, and people were struggling financially, all of those times you see in those weeks and months after it, a real uptick in altruism and people being kind to one another. And it's almost like we need to be smacked in the face to remember what's important. And so that's one of the great ways that you can you can demonstrate what I've been talking about, this principle of thinking bigger than what if, not focusing on the two or three steps down the line potentiality, but focusing on what's right in front of you. And to be totally honest, if that sounds a little bit um, you know, frou-frou for you, then just say, hey, I'm going to take some time to learn how to tie flies better. I'm going to learn how to cast a fly rod better. I can socially distance and cast a fly rod, or I can socially distance and try to work on my dry fly presentation. But as good as those things are, and while I'd encourage you to do them, that's a good way to stay occupied, I would say asking those questions of how I can approach the situation better and how I can help other people. You know, I've seen so many things on social media that have been very, very uplifting in the last few weeks. Flies being tied for nonprofits and for other people and people promoting small businesses and, and really encouraging folks that have the means that might need something to go out and patronize these fly fishing companies and these other companies that really depend upon people in times where they're not getting that foot traffic anymore. And so those are the kind of things to, to think about and be concerned with. And uh, you know what? Lord willing, in a couple weeks, we'll look back and say, that was really unfortunate that I didn't have any toilet paper and it stinks that uh, I maybe missed out on a few sales or a, a few business opportunities. But I really enjoyed redeeming that time with my family. I really enjoyed being able to connect with somebody at a deeper level. I really enjoyed learning this thing about myself and, and learning about the way that I think about the world and I look at the world. Maybe that's helpful. Maybe that's not. Maybe that's the last thing you wanted to hear when all of this is happening. But I do hope that uh, you are spending time thinking about those things in a very positive manner, not just uh, focusing and dwelling upon the negative, but thinking about the positive and asking big questions. What are you doing? How are you redeeming your time? 
this week on Casting Across. Two articles. The first one's called Fly Fishers Pandemics in the Woods, and it's an article about me running into a bunch of ticks. I thought I was escaping the danger by social distancing, but uh, there was some little eight-legged critters that decided that they did not want distance, and they got very close to me. So wrote about that, and then there's a link to another Lyme disease article in the website that I definitely would encourage everybody to check out. I've never had coronavirus, but I've had Lyme disease, and it stinks out loud. Second article is called Rusty Flybox Essential Fly Shops. So uh, again, this is you know kind of timely, but at the same time, there's all sorts of circumstances and events that will cause small businesses to go through difficult stretches. And the coronavirus pandemic is just one of those. And so my premise of this article is that we don't need fly shops in a time when they're closing down essential businesses. We, we should understand that fly shops are not essential. But on the other side of that, we are essential to fly shop owners and employees to keep them going. And so I'm encouraging you and everyone who reads and everybody that you might come in contact with to patronize fly shops even in some small way. I ordered some fly tying materials the other day. It wasn't things that I particularly needed, but it's good to have them, especially if I'm going to be spending more time inside. So I'd encourage you to do that. And so I have a podcast uh, episode from the archives I put in there about fly shops. And then two of probably my favorite articles I've written, one on a fly shop in Illinois and one on a fly shop in Pennsylvania, kind of giving you the history of those shops and a little bit of culture around them. I will probably say that the article about the shop in Pennsylvania is towards the top of the best articles I've written, both from a journalistic and from a enjoyment perspective. This week's recommendation is actually just on the tail of what I said to go and patronize a fly shop. Listen back through my archives um, and find out the things that I've recommended and then get onto your local fly shop's website and order something. There's also a bunch of small businesses that I really enjoy their gear. Um, a couple examples, Appalachian for Leader Company, Pirate Fly Fishing, and then of course I've talked about Vitavu gear quite a bit. But these are small businesses that are dealing with their gear by hand. Hop on their website, find something. I know that everybody is going through financial difficulties in different ways during this time. But if you are going to be buying something anyway, definitely consider patronizing one of these smaller companies that really will depend on you sending 15, 20, 25 bucks. And enough of us doing that is going to help them and help us get through a difficult time. Thanks for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast on iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com where you'll find more info on this podcast and three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish. spread out on a tiny island that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But, as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. 
Join Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.